Hey, yo, what up, the Ken fam? It is OT. Man, I've been really excited to share this episode since the night it got recorded. I got to kick it with my brother, my homie, Amir, a.k.a. Odyssey. And it has been a great conversation. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. And I wanted to apologize in advance for not having the entire crew on this. I would have loved for Jeb, Tooth, and Reem to be on it. But everybody's out of town doing their thing. So... As some of y'all might already know, Jib and Tuflis are out in Malaysia doing her thing, and Reem is out in Bulgaria doing her thing. So, you know, it's a bit of a, a Dukan takeover type thing where we just getting widespread. So, while I was out here in Dubai, what did I do? I got to kick it with Odyssey and get him on the show. We got to dig deeper into the person rather than the brand. And interestingly enough, when he came through and we're in the elevator, we actually talking when the mics were off, and I told him, like, listen, uh, everybody knows Odyssey. I want to talk to Amir, so less Odyssey more Amir. I want people to know the man behind the name, the man behind the brand, and what was it like being him. So without further ado, I'm going to let you guys judge for yourself. Enjoy the episode. Be sure to rate, like, let us know how you feel. Hit us up on iTunes. Hit us up with them five stars. Get at us, www.dukanshow.com, and we are at Show on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, you name it. Get at us, say what's up, holla, let us know what you think, how you feel, we'll be around and we always respond. Yo, it's Tim Westwood TV going in with the crib session. We've got the crazy hot freestyle from my man Odyssey out of the Diamond District, DC. Let's go. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's real late on Hot 97, and my name is Peter Rosenberg. My man Odyssey is here. What up, O? What's going on, everybody? It's your man Odyssey, and you are now in tune to the country. Neighborhood banter. Pull up a seat and pass the time. <laughs> the Dukan. Hosted by OT, Toothless, and Ishad. Before this one? Is it like um, part of a whole tour? No, no, no. This is a what we would call in, in a one-off. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it was just a one-off gig. You nice. know, my tour was done... In August, okay, yeah, we had, we had done a North American and European run from spring through summer, and that was done in August. I've been home working, and uh, this was just a one-off. Yeah, I've had, I guess, a show a month, a, a one-off a month since I have been off the tour. Oh wow! Yeah, that's that's decent. I mean, that's pretty lightweight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's lightweight. <laughs> <laughs> that's not bad. Um, so what you've you said you've been out here before? Is it yeah been on shows or you've been here on vacation? I have done several shows here for different reasons. Um, the first performance I did here was an advertisement company that had a uh, they did the marketing for Mini Cooper. Okay. And there was this whole campaign called Mini Goes Urban, and they wanted the elements of hip hop to be embodied around the urban identity of the car and I was brought on as uh, our token rapper okay there was a graffiti crew a dance crew a DJ crew and rapper and oh, uh, yeah myself and Jay Live uh, were brought here and that was the first gig so no one really had a show for me 
Mm. It's more so about the automobile. Um, then I was brought out maybe two years ago by an independent promoter. Um, damn, what's his name? Homeboy just hit. I left my phone in the uh, hotel. But uh, he brought me out here. I did a gig. It was cool. And then this is the third time. I feel like I'm missing one. But prior to that, uh, anytime I go to Sudan and visit family, I stop here first. Yeah. Because like half my family lives here. Okay. So yeah. I come here for a couple of days, see them, and then I go to Sudan. And I always come for a few days before and then come a few days on the way back. Okay. So cool. I've split it up like that. Yeah. Sweet. Do, do you ever get any um, any heat from your relatives? Like, Sudanese people be like, oh, how can you come to town and not stay at ours? Yeah. Why are you staying at a hotel? Like, oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> we, we'll have hotels in certain, like Toronto. I got a lot of family up there. Yeah. You know, I'll get a hotel. It's nice, right downtown. And I got to stay at my aunt's house yeah. on that, that little mattress <laughs> in the basement. <laughs> I right. got to do it. Yeah. She, would, she would not be okay. Like, no, she won't not, be happy about it. It's not okay. <laughs> it's not okay. Yeah, it's, it's a real struggle. Like We flew out uh, a couple of weeks ago for my little brother's um, sort of like a, a Dean's List dinner kind of vibe. And you know, my little brother has got expensive taste in life. Okay. <laughs> so he ends up booking me and my dad at a fancy hotel. And we're like, why? Like. We got cousins living here, <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. Like they call up, they're like, "Oh, we heard you're in town, and you didn't tell us. How can you not come stay at ours?" And yeah, they get, yeah, you, you can't. They get do offended. That. Like you can't do that. You can't do you that. You can't right not now. stay at theirs. No, you have to. You gotta let people know. I played it smart. I ain't really let anyone know I was right. here until maybe an hour or so ago. Okay, I got in last night, so I was like, I got interviews, I got a show, and then after that, I'm free. So well, that's good. Yeah, I'll go down. Most of them are in Abu Dhabi, so I got to go down there. Okay, this, yeah. yeah. So a little family time. That's yeah, cool. that's yeah. chill. And so, how is it being, being you know, um, half Sudanese, half African American? I mean, and that upbringing in itself, like, man, bro, <laughs> I've always been intrigued. Pros and cons yes. together. Um, I get a pass on the Sudanese side. What the Amriki? <laughs> that's it so the expectations are less yes <laughs> so surprise I'm like awesome yeah <laughs> so they're like oh wow you pulled that off okay yeah. I didn't think of you know the, the American that's you know. the American side of him that's working in. yeah so they you know there's there's things that so I'm as you said I'm half Sudanese but my father remarried yeah, okay. my stepmother Sudanese so my siblings are all full Sudanese okay in the same house there were double standards oh you know, like there were things I was allowed to get away with that they were not allowed to get away with. <laughs> they had a higher, yeah. they had a higher expectation, which is somewhat wrong for the child, for me, to uphold my siblings to a higher standard than me. Yeah. So everyone kind of um, in the Sudanese community growing up would expect if something went wrong, I was to do, I was to blame. But I did nothing. Mm. I've never drank. I've never smoked. I've never done anything but work. So I'm a I'm somewhat of a shock to everyone in my family because they expected me to do all those things wrong, which many of my cousins yeah. who've come to the States have gotten into those Yeah, which issues. is a Sudanese double standard. Yeah, but they have all expected it to be me. Now, on my mother's side, they all expected me to... I'm, I'm the immigrant in the family on my mother's side, the foreign boy. Hmm. You know, oh, he, he don't know how to play basketball. He's probably good at math. You know, like, <laughs> it was, it was yeah. that... <laughs> Growing up on my mother's side of the family, and I'm not good at math. I'm terrible at math. So <laughs> there, there was that. Um, there's knowing the identity of yourself on one side of your, your history, mm -hmm. 
and not knowing your identity on another. So I feel like I, without a doubt, know more about the history of Sudan, East Africa, and the peoples of the Niles on average more so than anyone else in my family, 100%, because it wasn't something that I was allowed to take for granted because I had a whole side of my family where, because of slavery, I don't know anything about them. So when I discovered this rich history that was documented, I fell in love with it, you know? So I'm I'm very thankful for that's that. That's amazing. You know? Because I think that's something a lot of Sudanese people would take for granted. Because oh, they even, you, you live it, you're like, yeah. You yeah, think you, you, you know would. the history, but then you don't really know it. You would take it for granted. I don't hold it, it against anyone yeah, for yeah. not knowing their own history. Yeah. If it's your own but when you are people who don't have a history, you know, that's a whole different story. Yeah. So, yeah, I do my best to tell both sides of my family about, you know, what I learned, hmm. you know, and it, it's been it's been good to me. It's been a key role in, I, I, I guess, the man I am today of not knowing my history on one side, knowing it on the other, you know, growing up in two cultures where I didn't fit into anyone. I wasn't black American to my mother's side of the family and I wasn't Sudanese to my father's side of the family. I was just right. alone. Yeah. So that actually allowed me freedom to develop my own personality and not be indoctrinated mm-hmm. into any belief system, which is awesome. But it's a curse at the same time um, because sometimes people will put labels on you, on you for you. When I leave the country, I'm checked because I'm a black American and I'm a rapper. When I enter the United States, I'm checked because mm-hmm. I'm Arab and I'm Muslim. Hmm. So I get the black American card and, <laughs> and the, Muslim the Muslim card, card. And, and the Arab card. Yeah, it doesn't get worse than that. <laughs> doesn't get any worse than that. Like, I get it all. Like, yeah. <laughs> I got dealt a bad hand, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, man, that's tough. Yeah, it could be, it could be yeah. heavy sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Depending and on so as, as, growing up, I mean, did you feel like you needed to fit in? on either side or maybe a third option that wasn't there that you wanted to be a part of? No. My mother, God bless her, instilled in me very young. You know, she said, my mom is is from a rough neighborhood in D.C. Mm -hmm. and she always was more than her circumstances. I tell everybody, like, my mother has never left the East Coast, has never been on an airplane, but has seen more of the world than any person I know. She's very much a bookworm. That's amazing. And my mom said to me very young, don't listen to what anybody says about you. When you go back to Sudan with your family, if they pick on you, don't, don't, don't worry about them. And if you come to my side of the family and they pick on you, don't worry about them. You have been given a gift that none of them will have. You have seen the world through the eyes outside of yourself, which most people don't get the opportunity to genuinely view the world outside of themselves. I really can see Sudan as a Sudanese person and as an American. I can see America as a native and as a foreigner. Mm -hmm. And that's been life-changing to me. And I I realize it very, very young and have never cared for the approval of others or the acceptance of others. I think that's a testament to me being an independent artist in in general, Mm. is I don't dwell on what anybody thinks of me nor do I care you know okay that's really interesting so I think that as, as this, the third culture kid space has played a big part in, in making who you are and I felt that some of it was reflected in the music um, so like do you feel that with the both sides being you know being Sudanese Arab Muslim and then on the other side being African American feel like 
you've been politicized or and um, trying not to reflect that in the music or maybe you did I have a responsibility to convey that message by sheer circumstance okay many artists have a responsibility they choose to ignore it I'm not one however I'm very conscious of how I uh, relay that message as to not be the poster boy for anybody's particular propaganda mm -hmm. which I'm targeted for often I'm targeted for marches against police brutality I'm targeted to march in front of embassies of Israel I'm targeted to uh, be an example uh, against um, Islamophobia mm -hmm. etc certain things I say yes to certain things I say no to because my message is to make everyone understand how similar we all are, not to harbor on our differences. Mm. I get asked to perform at Muslim events all the time. However, I wish they would just be events. I see. You know? So I make music that's relevant to all of those messages, but I can't pick sides. I was born in, into a duality. You know? Like, I'm affected by police brutality and by Islamophobia. I can't be the poster boy for both. I wear myself thin and I can't choose one. Mm. So I I dedicate bars, I dedicate elements of my music to what I'm affected by, but I can't champion any particular thing. I, I would I would exhaust myself. Yeah. So would it be fair to say that you know, you're you're trying to portray your reality but at the same time just remain ordering ordinary people? Like, not try to champion anything, just be sort of um, the kid next door. When you look at the world, everybody is a next-door neighbor of someone. Mm -hmm. Therefore, how unique is the kid next door? You know, or, or how generic is the kid next door? And that's what I want to convey. I want to convey that I tell things through a personal narrative, knowing good and well that this is something that a lot of people can relate to. And I think it, people find solace in feeling that their life circumstances, their trials and tribulations are conveyed through music because suddenly they realize that they weren't alone. And that's what I want to do with my music is, wow, this song that you made, I was going through that. Yeah. Truth be told, I know for a fact they were going through that and X amount of other people, which is why I wrote the song. Yeah. And I never burst anyone's bubble and you know tell them that, obviously. But most of what we endure or experience in the world is not unique whether it be personally or the way that society is designed, most of what we will encounter in life is not unique. Our choices of love, education, down to food and clothing are not as independent as we think they are. They're all That's driven true, by yeah. circumstance. And I, being born into two different cultures, have seen how those invisible lines are just shifting and putting us in, in, in directions that we think are unique and they're not. You know, whether I'm in a developing country like Sudan or in somewhere in South America, I, I get a trip out of it when I post a photo from Sudan and it's like a bus with no windows and it might be a whole bunch of cargo <laughs> on the roof and somebody in Mexico sees the photo and says, yo, we have buses like that in my country too. <laughs> and yeah. then someone says, no, we have buses like that in my country in Thailand too. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Because these are like buses in developing countries is what they look like. <laughs> but everyone thinks that that's just that's there. unique to their it's story. Not, it's not. It's not. Uh, unique, the lack yeah. of running water or the electricity getting cut out. It's not unique. You know, um, wanting things is not unique. Wanting what you don't have is not unique. 
once you get a hold of something that you haven't had and not knowing how to deal with it and being excessive is not unique. You know, like none of what we experience is unique. And I want to convey yeah. that in the music so people can find comfort and stop stressing themselves out so much. You know? How long did it take you to get to, to that realization? A very young age. I was, I want to say third or fourth grade when I started realizing that every year when we got new students in class, that the people were changing, but the characters were staying the same. As a kid, when I realized it, I was sitting in the back of the class, and I was like, all right, new kids, new school, new, uh, new grade. All right, the faces look different, but that's the smart kid. That's the bully. That's the class clown that's going to try to make everybody laugh. That's the pretty girl who's been told that she's pretty too much, so she gets by on her looks. Mm. That's the quiet kid. I'm really cool with quiet kids. They end up being cool if you talk to them first. Yep, Quiet Kid's cool. And I just started realizing <laughs> yeah. that. And it never changed. It doesn't. It just never changed. Around the world. Around the world. Yeah. It's the same formula. <laughs> it's the same formula anywhere you Why go. Why is that? I don't yeah. know the answer to that. I'm not God. <laughs> but when I realized it at young, I didn't stress much anymore mm. in life. Like, I didn't. It wasn't, there wasn't room to really stress anything. Yeah. When you saw how preordained so many things were, you know. Man, that's amazing. So I can tell how like that kind of um, that plays a big part in your creative process. I think that sort of realization and with your music. So trying to look at your creative process, how does that usually work? Like, are you the, you know, and I think this is coming from a I watched this session with um, Maya Angelou and uh, Dave Chappelle mm. when they're talking about their creative processes. And hers was very private. She closes herself up and gets the writing and just really knows what she wants to do where Dave Chappelle was very social right he just liked being out there he looked because his comedy or his style of creating content was based on seeing the world and experiencing that and that drove his creativity so where do you find yourself on that spectrum smack dab in the middle yeah I like to observe constantly before I start working on an album tour is really helpful for me because I get to basically have a petri dish of experiments around the world on what resonates with people. I get to see what the headlines in the news alive. I, I was in England when they announced the referendum. I was there that day. Oh, wow. You know, I, prior to than that, when the migration crisis was happening from the Middle East and North Africa, we were in Europe witnessing the camps from a window. We were asked to illegally transport refugees to Sweden. Like, we're experiencing these things. I take all of that experience and I write it write it down in notes in my phone and I'll retreat back to my studio and start the writing process. Hmm. Sometimes I'll put my headphones on and just walk around and write outside. Uh, never engaging, but always amongst other people. And oftentimes I'll just sit within the four walls of my home and write music. Hmm. But it really comes from observation first. I wish I wish Jib was here. As I said, like they, the guys are out in Malaysia because he's an MC as well. And it's funny his style was like he would start at home, and if he finds a if he you know hits the wall, it's the mind block. And I think this is what is great about just the kind. He goes sit outside as the kind or a mm-hmm. corner store and just you know just look at people around him and try to get you know yeah. his stories and his juices well pinned, which is fascinating to to see how that kind of yeah. that creation process comes together. Um, how would you go about those mind blocks? If, I mean, sure, everybody goes through them because you. I like it. Like, and every year you have you got to drop the instrumental album, and then you've got 
vocals. Um, like I can imagine a lot of mind blocks on both ends. Well, very rarely am I working in real time. Mm. Releases are stagnated, so what comes out now I wasn't working on now. I've had time. By the time something comes out, I've already started on something else. So that alleviates the pressure. Yeah. Um, but if I do have blocks, which I had recently, um, I don't. Pu- I don't force it. I don't tell my manager this, but <laughs> like I, I have an album that I'm super late on, and he's yeah. like, "So where is it?" Yeah. It's like I haven't been inspired. He's like, "What do you mean? I haven't been inspired?" He didn't ask me. He didn't say, "So what have you been doing?" But since you asked. <laughs> <laughs> I've been playing Xbox. (laughs) 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 I've been playing video games and eating chicken wings. (laughs) Put on a few pounds. I've been sitting in the house. I'm ready to get back in shape and finish this album. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I apologize for instigating this. (laughs) (laughs) He knows me. It's it's fine. (laughs) He knows if I'm if I'm not working, what I'm doing. I don't go out much, so I'm I'm in the house. (laughs) <laughs> smoking shisha and playing Xbox. That's it. So, that's it. Like, that's it. <laughs> that's so. How's that with the married life? Um, it's good. It's good. It's good. So like, she's cool. Like you know, you're on yeah, the Xbox. We're, we're she's chilling. Like, yeah, she's, she's <laughs> about it. Nah, yeah. she's happy. That's the most important thing. She's happy. You yeah. You know, she's not looking at me like, "What's going on? Like, what is going on? Like, mm. there might come a time, but I haven't gotten that bad yet. So, <laughs> now we're good." <laughs> All right, that's good. So you're, you're still on the safe side. Yeah, yeah, I'm all right. But no, I, I get blocks. I let it happen. Mm-hmm. I take that time off, and I, I get inspired, and I let it recharge, and then I start. And usually when I start, it comes really, really fast, and I'm in it. And that's it. I'm in the zone, and I, I bang a project out in no time. Yeah. When I work, I work quick and, 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 and hard, but if I'm not inspired, I don't force it. Okay. Yeah. That's legit. I mean, having having a Sudanese father on one side, um, were you ever felt pressure to like at a young age you know gotta be a doctor an yeah, engineer like that, that of course that of course that he tried yeah <laughs> he, but he failed because he was not that okay my father was educated in england and him and his brothers came to united arab emirates in the late 60s early 70s where three of my uncles worked in banking mm-hmm. including my father my father hated it and got on a flight to new york and abandoned his education and everything. He was a bread deliverer for the Middle Eastern Baking Company in Washington, D.C., owned by a Jordanian dude who gave him a truck to deliver pita bread. And he lived in the apartment above the Jordanian dude's brother's restaurant wow. in Tacoma Park, Maryland. Hmm. So my dad went from being a private school educated in England, working in banks here, to being a bread deliverer because he did not like office work. He was unsatisfied by it, and he liked being amongst the elements of things, and he abandoned it all. And he went on to stop delivering bread, and he started making bread. He became one of the best bread makers in the D.C. area. He worked for a gourmet called Sutton Place. He's very known for his uh, baguettes, his German rye, mm-hmm. etc. I grew up with really good bread and patisseries in my house as a result <laughs> of my dad being a baker for, for like the first 10 years of my life. Nice. After that, he went back to trucking. He bought a truck and became a contractor delivering goods for Staples, mm-hmm. office supplies. And he, by the time he finished, he had a fleet of trucks and he delivered all of their office supplies for the D.C. metropolitan area. He was his own businessman, ran his own business, 
and did not need to drive a truck anymore. He could just give the manifest to his employees and go home. Mm -hmm. He tried that and his hair went gray. Like he had to have something to do. Mm -hmm. So he, he had a route until he retired. He delivered boxes with the rest of his drivers of a business that he owned because this is who he is. Mm -hmm. And he's a very strange man to the Sudanese community because yeah, everybody else in this DC area was working for the World Bank and IMF and embassies and they were too proud they were doctors and lawyers when they came from Sudan or they worked somewhere in Manila or the Middle East and they were too proud to be taxi cab drivers etc as Sudanese people have that issue yeah. where yeah. they won't stoop down beneath mm -hmm. themselves to survive and make money my dad doesn't come from that so he tried to like you go to school to be a doctor like you didn't <laughs> you gotta do this like, you dropped out of school <laughs> it's like you gotta go to you didn't you and it's like, he's like god damn it like <laughs> like I just kept being like you didn't yep, that was it. <laughs> and, and the same thing it's just not for me I yep. can't sit in an office I can't work for someone else like I just can't like it kills me inside yep. I'm so lethargic I get I feel like I'm sleepy no matter how much sleep I get if I'm in an office environment so you, you've been through that for a while uh, no, very briefly. I haven't worked for somebody else since 2003, 2004. Okay. Um, but I just, I don't know what that's like. I can't. I'm not good at school. I hate school. Legitimately, like I hate school. Yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm intelligent, I promise you. But yeah. I do not like school. Uh, I don't like learning I'm what people that. want me to learn. I like learning what I want to learn. For your own too. Yeah. And I don't, I don't have the typical learning style. I can't learn through dictation. You can't, I can't read something from a book and apply it which is what's rewarded in the Western world yeah. because it's easy to be someone to dictate to. But if you show me something physically or by hand, I'll do it very quick. But that learning style isn't encouraged. Recently, it's starting to change. You yeah. actually can get to go to different schools, public schools in the States. Mm. But my generation didn't have that. So that learning style crippled me and I was a bad student as a result of it only catering to that specific learning style. If it wasn't for music, I wouldn't have found out that I was actually good at something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I was never a fan of standardized education yeah. myself. Like, yeah. it, it's hard because it's, it's standardized, but then it works in the benefit of those bookworms. But then anybody else who's intelligent and or creative in other ways, they can't really get to express that. Right. Yeah. It's a filtering system yeah. designed to filter out those people, and the people who take direction best are rewarded the most. Yeah. The people who want to lead. Mm -hmm. are disregarded you know discarded and, and it, it it saddens me i mm -hmm. definitely feel like it's changing but it, again it wasn't around it was, yeah it wasn't, it wasn't around when i was so to, to go back to, to to your dad's story around what time in that journey were you part of that story um he we had a good deal so i'd always been in art i was a painter and an illustrator for mm -hmm. most of my life until i got into music okay so you were full-on creative yeah. from this. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I got accepted to um, Philadelphia School of Art, but I didn't get a scholarship, which I wanted because my dad, mm -hmm. I'm one of uh, five. Okay. And uh, at that time, I was really like obsessed with hip-hop when I got accepted. And I was like, yo, I don't even want to paint or draw anymore. I don't want to do graphics. I want to do music. If yeah. I go to this school, I'm going to waste my father's money. Mm -hmm. He had the money to pay it, but I, don't want, I didn't want to waste my father's money. So I said, yo, dad, I don't want to go. And he was like, what? You wanted to be an artist your whole life. I was like, I still do, but a different kind. Mm -hmm. It's like, I want to do music. He's like, you'll never make it. You know the percentage of people who want to be musicians and they fail? <laughs> you'll never make it. Mm -hmm. I said, all right, 
if I have one commercial release before the age of 21, will you give me your blessing to do music? He said, yeah, but under one condition. If you fail, no more art. You come work for me and you take over my business, which I mm-hmm. had been working for him for summers, vacations, and anytime I was off school anyway, so yeah. I knew how to run the business. Um, I was like, all right, do. It's a good thing. If I fail, I'll well, fall back yeah. on the family you, business. Cool. You got a safety net? Yeah. 21. It took me until age 21 to get a record out. And I got a record out and I got paid and a check. And I put the check on my dad's table in the morning when he was having breakfast. And I said, I did it. Yeah. You got to leave me alone. <laughs> and he left me alone. To this day, my father's never heard a song of mine. Yeah. He's never been to a show. And when he calls me and we talk, he doesn't say how his music. He says how his business. Because mm. he's a businessman and he's and Sudanese. He doesn't care about my rap music. He doesn't know it. Mm. He's not pretending to understand it. And I'm not one of those generation kids who's like, my parents don't understand me in my Western ways. <laughs> they don't understand me. I, he's, I don't expect him to understand yeah. me. He's Sudanese. You know mm. what I mean? He's old school. Exactly. Yeah. So how's business? Business is good. What you got? I'm in Dubai. Yeah, you good? You're going to go see your uncle? Yeah, cool. Bring me something over there. Bring me this. All right, cool. I'll see you in a couple of days. Yeah. Done. So Sudanese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? You're seeing family. Are you stopping by? They're going to expect you to yeah. come say hello. Yeah. And oh, I'm going to need you to get some stuff when you're coming back. Finish. Done. That's all they That's care it. about. That's it. That's how it is. <laughs> the standard formula, man. <laughs> love yeah, it. And I, lo- and I love it. And I, yeah. love, I love our relationship. It's, as a, I really love our relationship. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm happy I have his blessing. I hear he talks about me greatly to other people. Never to me. Never to me. Yeah, he will never say anything good to me yeah, that's about father, me. That's father-son game. All the you know yeah. how it is. Yeah. You know? But when I, you know, I'm in Hitler, like, people are like, yo, your father told me. You, I was like, he did? <laughs> you said what? <laughs> so I know he's proud, yeah. you know. I yeah. know he's proud. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. what I got, I was always a big fan of Brandy. Like, uh, and funny thing was, so my family's all in the aviation business. Okay. Um, my dad runs a cargo and tourism company. Yeah. My uncle was the CEO of the Sudanese Airlines for some time and then you know a couple of cousins are pilots so growing up I'm like all right I'm gonna be an aerospace engineer and the fun part was that it wasn't inf- it wasn't forced upon me it was just the decision I decided because the environment I was in yeah and by the time I was done with high school I'm like you know I don't want to do that anymore I just want to do something creative and I got into advertising and he doubted every decision I made since then <laughs> right and <laughs> not until I graduated and forget the fact that I had a day job. Day job, fine, yeah, congratulations, everybody. Does. But then once he saw my personal projects, you know, coming together, we come, it's having a life to it and it's paying off. That's where he got excited. And the same thing, he's telling people now. I'm getting calls from people I've never heard of. Yeah, they're like, "Oh, are you? I'm gonna follow." I'm like, "Yeah." Like, listen. So yeah, I spoke to your dad. And he recommended you for some, like, branding and all that. I'm like, listen, are you willing to pay? I know how soon these people be, yeah, you yeah. know? Are you going to pay for it? It's like, oh, yeah, I'll call you back. <laughs> you I know? think social media helped that. Yeah. Because as an independent artist, I'm not on MTV, I'm not on BET, I'm not on Top 40 Radio. So when I tell people that I'm a rapper, it doesn't make sense to them because they can't see what I'm doing. Yeah. So everyone was like, yeah, he's risky, he's got music, but... You know, He's trying. I, yeah, yeah. I, we don't know. But then the advent of social media, they, it was, I think, confusing and comforting for them to be like, wait, there's like 15,000 people at this festival in this yeah. photo and they're screaming for him. 
And he's here and he's here. Look at these days like at 70 shows around the world. But I don't know his music. And one of my friends do. But I think he's doing really good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's done something. Yeah. yeah. And then fast forward, they now see it. I was showing my manager recently. I Instagram and uh, introduced um, data mm-hmm. for artists and businessmen. You, you can see statistics of what cities, which countries, age demographics, yep, um, yep. gender, etc. Top five ci- uh, cities that visit my Instagram, Khartoum is number five. There you go. Yeah, like <laughs> that's crazy. Like to think right, of yeah. like I of where I have fans in the world. So I think social media has really helped my family understand that I'm okay. Mm. You know, you know. Before that, it was bad. I had cousins who would come to America and buy fake chains. And then they would go back to Sudan with this fake chain, and they'd be like, "Yo, I'm killing it." And they would, you know, work six months, go to Sudan for six months, oh. work. So you know that job, you know that yeah, hustle. Yeah. So they'd go back, and one time I came back, and my cousin's like, "Amir, I was like, "I'm fine. Why, why are you asking me like that?" Well, it's just, I mean, Muhammad, he has a nice chain, <laughs> and he's not even a rapper. <laughs> And you're a rapper, oh, wow. and you don't have a chain. <laughs> I was like, first of all, his chain is fake. <laughs> Did you know that? Did you know that? <laughs> Second of all, not all rappers have chains. <laughs> and then that whole oh situation. God, yeah. But I think now they get it. They get what I am and who I am to, to yeah. certain type of people. They understand now. How long, how long are you in town for? I'm here until the 8th. Okay. And then I come back on the 16th, and I'm here for two more days. Okay, if you're yeah. free, we should take you to Karama just for the sake of it. Right. I don't know if you heard of it. Um, Daniel, you'd love it too, man. Um, all the fake chains you want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fake chains, fake Gucci bags. I'm good, you I'm it. good. You're good, I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, just have some photos and send it to yeah. the family. Yeah. Like, like, hey, I look, made it, I did I found it. it. I told you. <laughs> Yeah, oh I'm man, good. that's yeah. too cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so that's that's sort of on on the dad side of the family. Hard things on a mom's side, like from um, the point of hey, I'm gonna be a rapper. A, a little bit easier to understand. Yeah. But again, it's estranged on both sides because my family on my mother's side is all from the inner city, so they listen to what the radio plays. They listen, especially in D.C., they listen to the more southern music. Yeah. And my music is very like n- very much northeastern influence as far as the time signatures and the rhyme patterns, et cetera. I'm more um, New York oriented yeah. than Southern oriented, even though most black people from D.C. come from the South, specific North Carolina. So we lean more towards Southern rap. Um, so my cousins get what I'm doing, but if I wasn't related to them, they wouldn't have never listened to a type of artist that I am. They listen okay. to me because I'm family, not because I'm a preference. I have one cousin who who li- who he probably would still listen to me, because me and him. I remember we would all listen to the same music, and then suddenly, Tribe Called Quest wasn't played on the radio anymore, but they had a new album, and then I I, I learned that there are people who seek music and there are people who are are spoon fed music. Mm. So when Tribe came out with that new album, I went out and got it, even though I didn't hear it on the radio. And I played with my I was like, yeah, you know Tribe got a new album? I was like, Tribe, we don't listen to that no more. How but did you know they had a new album? I was digging. Just, I was okay, digging. So you like, just I was, record store digging. Yeah, I was in the okay. stores digging. Like, yeah. oh, Tribe came out with a new record. Yeah. And I tell my cousins who put me on to Tribe, Tribe came out with a new record. And he's like, I don't care. I'm listening to this Ghetto Boys right now. I'm listening to Scarface. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, but they got a new album. He's like, yo, I'm not on that no more. Mm. 
And I was like, oh, okay. So if the radio is not playing it, you don't care about it anymore. That's old. That's, that's dead. Yeah. Well, I still like it, so I'm going to keep... And then that's when that divide started happening in rap, where what I listened to suddenly became underground. It used to be mainstream. It was played right. on the radio with everything else. Yeah. But then I was like, oh, wait. I guess I like... I guess I Hands up Kanye struggle. Like, I guess I like underground rap. Like. Yeah. You know, I liked what they was playing on the radio, too. To this day, I love the music that's played on the radio, but I still seek music as well. But most of my cousins don't. Uh, I was put on to rap by my older cousins. I, I learned how to rap from my older cousin, Frank, who was rapping in the 80s. And we grew up watching him as children, little kids, and we learned from him. So he understands, like, emceeing. So uh, he... He understands what I'm doing. His son now raps, and my nephew are the same age as his son, and they formed a group. And uh, by the way, my nephew nice. is amazing. I'm gonna let you hear his demos. He's 19. <laughs> yeah, he's dope. All like, right. yeah. There you so, go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, he's dope. He's dope. Uh, yeah, so they're a little more understanding, but again, they probably wouldn't listen to the type of music I make if we weren't family. Yeah. yeah, you know, if I was doing some trap music, then yeah, they'd be all they'd over. Be it. Into, okay, yeah. so it's just full on what the radio did. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 That's, that just is what it is, yeah. and that's fine. But as far as relations, we're cool. Hmm. We're cool. I'm cool with both sides of my family. family. I was raised closer to my dad's side of the family. You hmm. know, my by my stepmother and my father. I was spending my summers in Sudan, so that time when school was off, when you're supposed to be having a fun time, I wasn't in America. Yeah. So. I'm a lot closer to my father's side of the family as a result. And then there was a lot of things that kind of kept me away from them. You know, my mom's from a really tough part of town where my dad didn't necessarily like me going a lot. Okay. So he did his best to kind of keep me away from those things. And I found myself there regardless, you know, but I didn't end up a casualty as a result. So, yeah. So... I mean, you think these the the trips to to Sudan kind of kept you away from that? Mm -hmm. um, the perspective, because I know plenty of my Sudanese friends who got into some street in a, at home yeah. in America who are they locked up. They got four or five kids before they was twenty five, mm -hmm. etc. Like they got into some street, shit and their parents, both their parents, are Sudanese but they just grew up around it I, I don't I think if I really looked at what kept me away from it it was not glorifying street life hmm. and I can't I can't actually accredit that to any specific thing maybe it was my mother and my father I think having a um, having a parent from the ghetto I didn't glorify it, whereas a lot of my Sudanese friends or family, their parents were not hood whatsoever. But, the but they, they went to school in those areas. Okay. You know, their homies were hood, and they got caught up in street life. But they don't come from it. But I have one side of me that is the street, so I didn't glorify it. I wasn't. It wasn't. I didn't romanticize it. And I saw people who really didn't have anything, like for real. And when I came back to the states at the end of that summer, I didn't want the Jordans. I didn't want. Uh, the most expensive pair of jeans or whatever it didn't it didn't matter I wasn't impressed by the dude who carried a gun to school I seen cousins with guns in mm -hmm. Sudan like kids you know yeah. I wasn't really like shocked I wasn't impressed by it so I think that's what kind of kept me away from it but 
maybe art kept me out of it. Maybe having art as an outlet to... I always put my frustrations on a piece of paper, whether it was through text or through illustration. So maybe, maybe that was the vessel. So were, were you that, that quiet kid just always kind of sketching away? Um, I wasn't a quiet kid, but I, I never, I didn't fit in with any specific clique, but I was liked by everyone. Like I never got beat up in school because the bullies would fight for me. It was the strangest thing. That They'd is, pick yeah, on everybody yeah. else, but they were cool with me. And if anybody messed with me, there'd be somebody to knock them in the face before I can even raise a fist. It was always that way in school. The, the, the jocks hung out with me. Yeah. The cool kids hung out with me. The hood kids and the dealers hung out with me. I was cool with everybody. Like, nobody messed with me. Nobody bothered me. You know, like, That's I just a, got yeah. a pad. I never, I wasn't a part of any specific clique. Yeah. But I was accepted by all of them. You know? That's cool. Yeah, it's just always been that yeah, way. And and I think to this day strange. now with my music, it's the same thing. Like, yeah. people from the hood like my music. Educated people like my music. Muslims, Jews, Christians, white, black, Hispanic, yeah. Asian. My demographic is vast. Do you do you think about that when you're making music? Because I I remember I think I was I checked out one of your interviews earlier, um, where you you kind of briefly spoke on that where, you know, you make sure there's a certain layer for mm-hmm. the educated to enjoy, but mm-hmm. then there's another layer for the street mm-hmm. to enjoy. So, I'm assuming that's a conscious decision when you're working on the music. Yeah, definitely. I never want anyone to be alienated when they listen to my music. You know, independent and underground music can become very self righteous and pretentious, and um, it can point the finger a lot at other forms of rap. It should be like this. It's supposed to sound like this. You're whack. I'm good. Your music is bad. Like, I don't point fingers in my music at other forms of music. I don't want to dedicate time and resources to making music about music. Um, and I, I definitely write in layers so that everyone can get what they want to get from my music. If you focus on the prime words, so be it. If you listen to the double meaning, so be it. But one shouldn't take away from the other if you're a good writer. Mm. And so, so how do you do that? Like, because I feel like the the rhymes and then the music itself kind of splits into layers. Like when you listen to your instrumental albums as well, there it feels like there's there's something there as well. Um, so how how does how does that work? Like, how do you kind of break it down? in your head like I'm curious to know what goes in there it's so formulaic for me at this point hmm. I don't even know how to explain it um, like I'd assume that's like second nature yeah yeah it's just I, it's just become a part of my signature I think that is my signature is being able to layer hmm. and absorb influences and uh, appropriate them so if I see a wave of electronic music or a wave of 808 drum kits, I'll find a way to incorporate that into my sound so that the people who subscribe to that genre or that style of music can find appreciation in mine without it compromising the integrity of what I'm initially trying to create. And I've, it's just, it's like second nature now. It's like, oh, I want to make some trap, but I don't want to make trap. Okay. I want to make my trap so I see alright here's how I'm going to do it I'm yeah. going to use these 808s but there's going to be a level of musicality mm. to kind of counter the simplicity of trap music I'm going to increase the level of musicality in the chord progressions but I'm going to use the drum programming of this genre or oh I really like this 
orchestral music. I love the layers and the harmonies and the multi-time signatures. All right, let's try to do a time signature of five, six, but then let's rap straight forward so that people, I don't even want them to notice I'm rapping on an awkward time signature unless they know music. Yeah. So that it doesn't take away from it, which is where that was the detriment of jazz. Jazz became too cerebral and it became off-putting for mm. the masses. So it's like, all right, I'm rapping on five, six, but if you don't know what that means, it shouldn't stop you from liking the song. And that's just the element, you know, that's just what it is. Uh, so you're, you said you used to be a crate digger, and uh, like now, sort of that moved virtual, like you're that online discovering some 12 year old producer out in. No, not anymore. Thing, no. not anymore. I'm usually relying on my friends now to tell me what's going on. <laughs> they like, update you on that. Yeah, I, I, the days of just listening to music for joy have been gone for a long time. It's a, it's a sad thing. I remember when I had the luxury, the privilege to listen to something and just say, I like that, or I don't. Now, there isn't a single song I can listen to where I, don't, I can't, I have to break it down piece by piece, and I have to rebuild it. Therefore, it's very hard for me to like things. But when I do, I'm crazy about it. But it's, I don't like much anymore because mm -hmm. I break down everything. And I've seen so many genres and, and periods and eras come by that I recognize recycled music. I recognize cheap tricks. I recognize the use of certain subject matters to get media attention because it's hot to talk about that right now and even if it's an amazing song i can't like it because i i know the magic trick mm. and it sucks it sucks man like so i don't dig for music much anymore i rely on my friends to just be like yo you need to listen to this yeah, yeah so yeah. <laughs> apple music's been great you know i've just been kind of just randomly looking at what they put on apple music and just putting it on the phone now so okay trying to get back yeah. into it yeah so and how's it like when when friends recommend it like there's a cash on or even then like you still break it down rebuild it and maybe like it maybe not every i'm breaking down everything the music mm -hmm. in the elevator i'm breaking it down That's the music it. in a grocery store i'm breaking it down and building it back up you know watching tv and they hear music in the background i'm like oh they really wanted to use beyonce's crazy right now but they probably couldn't clear the licensing fee so yeah. they had someone make a version of it oh they were close but uh, i see what they did different I would have done this. Like, I can't stop doing that, yeah. you know? And it's annoying <laughs> for me, for my wife, for everyone. He's like, would you shut the f*** up? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I try to keep it to myself. Yeah. You know, where I'm constantly breaking sounds down and building it back up. Yeah. But again, when I do that and I like something, I'm crazy about it. You know? Like, what's some reset that kind of <sighs> did it for you? Fight anything feist. Bon Iver, Metronomy, like those dudes are super inspirational to me. Mm. What they're doing musically, how they layer things. They're, to me, they're like Apple in the form of music where it seems simplistic, but the level of complexity that went into making it sound simple is insane. And, nice. and, and that's what I try to do with my music. You know, I want it to be accessible and I don't want the complexity of it to take away from the appreciation of it. But nevertheless, it's complex. It's a lot that goes into even the simplest thing, but I don't want that to be visible. You know, I don't want the packaging to be a whole bunch of stickers on it to explain what the contents are. You know, I just want it to be a blank slate and you come up with it for yourself. The beauty in the art. Yeah. I like it. All right, cool. Um, Thank I you. Guess. How's the
I, I, felt, I felt his gaze. You did it? Oh, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, <that's And I sit so still between callous and analysis But there's no frill, I'm off the chain Been that way since slaves and flayed From 93 till infinity, I'm stated in ways That's etched in stone, the age where we market ourselves I'm still all about the music, I don't monitor the plays I don't monitor the hits and I don't monitor the clicks I monitor the snare drum in the bottom of kicks Is anybody left to still fuck with this true shit? Well let me hear you scream over top of this cool shit This so real Now no one was ahead But I'ma go this steal Living in the moment Got a hopeless feel But the feeling in itself Got it so appeal I'm attracted to the lights In the distance The closer that I get And the brighter my wish gets Excited by the risk And the chances I'm taking Not sure what I'm putting my faith in But I'ma be alright 
It's all over, it's all over 
continue the conversation with the guys at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and SoundCloud at Dukan Show. Subscribe to the show on your iTunes and Stitcher to stay up to date. And if you like what you hear, give it a rating. Dukan is hosted by OT, Irshad, and Tufus. You can also reach them on their personal social media profiles at OT Official and at Irshad underscore INI. And you can also reach Tufus at soundcloud.com slash Firas dash Ibrahim. Salam. Selective. I'm way too nice, got me feeling bad to ignore a message I traded secrets for homies I really thought could keep it The minute I leave and they steal my dreams and they try to sell it I can't tell if it's my fault it is People being themselves, I need to be more prepared I guess it's time to tighten up the circle Put some notches in the belt for all the weight I've had to share More locks up on the door, a couple cameras in the front Yeah, I know who you are, but what do you want? Fool, what you want? Fool, what you want? I'm sorry, you know, scratch like that yeah. I just wanna take my time. I don't mind the waiting line. I ain't going nowhere. I just wanna take my time. I don't mind the waiting line. We ain't going nowhere. I've been contemplating drinking in the use of drugs. Favorite artists do it. They all influence us. I ain't talking future, but rather older names. I'm talking Hendrix, talking Davis, talking Marvin Gaye. They were kings, but the coping, they became a slave. Know that I got it in me, don't pass me a shot of whiskey. Anything I do, I do it the most. It just so happens I'm rewarded for being extreme. Applauded, workaholic, falling asleep in the office, and I never get fired. 
irony, I'm a boss cause I can never get hired And got an off switch, therefore my bill's higher Somebody get coffee, black single origin Like our ancestors, oh you forgot cause you tan lesser This is me in the jam session, cram a lesson in like Party now, study in the end, 100% I just wanna take my time I don't mind the way line I ain't going nowhere soon. I just wanna take my time. I don't mind the waiting line. We ain't going nowhere. I'm really good at my job, that's because I understood it's a job I'm not interested in coming to your studio or chilling after shows I gotta do this all over the mall Rather chill in my home, go out to eat, just me and Z's in the park Seldom see me in the streets after dark, set my name in that mall Key traded street lights for stage lights, I'm trying to make a living from art Have a life full of love, memories you cannot like or remark I'm only posting what I'm seeing in parts, I mean, what's more tragic? Living in a hyper-reality or the system Systematic murder of magic I'm tasting the wild things They're becoming harder to find In time I'm sure they only live in my mind But for now I'm on the prowl for the house Leave it all up to chance, bruh Sometimes I'd rather not know the answer But that's just me I just wanna take my time I don't mind the way to lie I ain't going nowhere I just wanna take my time I don't mind the waiting line We ain't going nowhere
cast my vote on this Get my people hope on this I spoke on this and hopes it gets Focused on like most of this That occur in Africa We gon' try be socialists So then we trying to keep together Other folks they hope we split So don't you sit up on your couch Get outside your house and stand Right next to your brother man Whether he from north or south It's not about your color and religion It's just politics We can end the starving If involved and be a part of it This is at the heart of it Voting's just the start of it Pieces of the puzzle put together View the larger picture We anonymous when talking about on CNN Proper camera propaganda I'm starting to see a trend Future we gon' lead us in Africa the powerhouse We view the globe It's time they know without us That they powers out Let me hear you shout it out Democracy for all Sudan Divided we will fall So together as a sovereign stand <laughs> Ehna ledigna salila Ehna ledigna salila 